plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. No, I'm not for sale. are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Colts, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Danley, and thank you guys here for joining me on a Tuesday. Yesterday, we went through the Titans with Terry Lambert, and tonight, we got another guest on us. We're going to go into the Jaguars tonight with Ryan Day. Ryan, what's going on, my man? Nothing much. Ready to uh, talk about some Jaguars and ruin my uh, ruin my Monday night. <laughs> yes, it is Monday night when we record these, so I don't think that anybody un- doesn't understand. My bad. That. I, I broke the fourth wall. No, no. I broke the fourth wall. I think, I'm sorry. I think, <laughs> I think I've told my listeners plenty of times that we record uh, the night before as to get it out at midnight so that everybody uh, you know that, that lives with uh, you know Australia and all these guys, these other countries and stuff. Uh, they're the ones that usually get the first listens on here, so uh, that's not an issue gotcha. at all. But uh, needless to say, as we get going, we're definitely got a lot to talk about with the Jaguars. Big off season, uh, as as per the past few years or whatever. And you know, what what's your immediate thought after everything that's already been done? What's your very first thought that comes to your mind about the potential for this upcoming season? Back-to-back off-season champs, baby. <laughs> this is this is our year. It's actually more like back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back off-season champs. Yes. So, pretty pumped about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys did plenty to earn that, too. I mean, signing A.J. Boye, which was a guy that everybody wanted. Uh, like you said yep. earlier, uh, Calais Campbell, Barry Church. I mean, there's a few guys, even, you know, Roy Miller and, you know, he was released, but you guys ended up, Hey, you guys, you guys got Josh McNary. <laughs> so, uh, I, that's my, that was my personal favorite to be quite honest with you. I wasn't real high on him to begin with, but you know, and then you also have the, the Albert issue, which is something that, you know, we may need to step into. What are they planning to do with him? Or maybe, you know what, let's do that after we go through your draft. But, uh, okay. so, so obviously the free agency, uh, situation there in, in Jacksonville has been huge. I mean, does this year seem mm-hmm. different than any other year? I mean, does it seem like this is the the actual step that needed to be had with the current roster to actually kind of put you guys over the edge? Because the defense was solid last year. It was the offense, obviously, that we know uh, with you know the quarterback situation and and the running backs and stuff like that. The offensive line, so it really was the the offense weren't even allowed or weren't even really able to get the playmakers involved all that much. It seemed like last year. Would you agree? Right, and that, I think that's the most puzzling thing to Jaguars fans is our offense, obviously, I mean, if you break down the losses game by game, the offense lost more than twice as many games as the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you go through free agency, and I mean, Brandon Albert was our free agency addition on offense, 
and he may not even play it down for the Jaguars. Right. Um, so I think it's puzzling and it's frustrating. Something something we've talked about on on the Jaguars podcast, keep chopping wood, uh, is that this team has just been built really weirdly. Like there's we we bring in Chris Ivory last year, who's a power bat, mm-hmm. um, and we pair him with uh, Blake Bortles, Alan Hearns, uh, Alan Robinson, Marquise Lee, Julius Thomas, and that seems like a pretty you know, downfield passing game. Right. Um, so it, it, it's just this mishmash of like, you know, you have, and you don't have a dominant offensive line either. You don't have a power running game offensive line. Um, you don't, you don't have a good offensive line period, but you can get away with, I think, you know, some, uh, you can get away with like some shorter passes, like a quicker, a quicker tempo offense with this offensive line. Um, maybe some zone blocking and stuff like that. But now we bring in, um, uh, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but Leonard Fournette, Camp Robinson. It just, it seems like the team's in transition still after four or five years of rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And even adding defensive superstars like AJ Boye, um, Calais Campbell's a good piece. He's, he's a two year guy. He's not a long term guy. Um, but, you know, adding guys like that, it's like, well, okay, we can see where the defense is going. The offense is still a huge question mark, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were just as dysfunctional next year as they were this year. Yeah, I mean, and that, and I think that's where the people get, you know, the, the issue with the winning the offseason and stuff like that. I don't know that they could be that dysfunctional. I think that they've got real. I mean, and I, I don't think that you. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. But with a three and thirteen season last year, and Blake Bortles supposedly was supposed to be making a jump last year, regressed, uh, went back to poor mechanics and stuff. And that's not just national mishmash. That's real. I mean, that was exactly what he did. He went back to being lazy as far as his mechanically. And, you know, he, he gets himself back into the situation where he was two years ago, where he had no choice but to go back and get some help on his uh, on his mechanics, his throwing motion and everything else. And now he's in the same boat again. But can you realistically expect him to kind of take that jump next year when he's already been in this situation before? No. I mean, how can you? Right. Like, it, 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 like I think a lot of Jaguars fans, rightfully so, they look through rose-colored glasses because they're Jaguars fans. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, Blake Bortles can turn it around. But when you look at it objectively, when you look at it from a 30,000-foot view, what other quarterback does that? What other quarterback regresses as hard as he did in his, you know, in his third year and then comes back in his fourth year and just kills it? Right. Like, I'm still looking for that guy because I, I want some objective hope, but I, I don't see that guy in the, in the record books. Is there is there a quarterback on the roster that you think uh, legitimately could overtake the starting position this year if all just falls through the floor? I mean, will they just revert back to Chad Henney, or does uh, Allen, you think, have an opportunity maybe to push for that starting spot if all goes downhill? Well, and that's the frustrating thing is no. I mean, the team has given I – mean, you, you have you have a Bean in Buffalo mm-hmm. um, kind of talking about Tyrod Taylor – as if like he still needs to earn that you know starting quarterback spot, and Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell have given Blake Bortles as much job security as Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Right. Like there's no quarterback competition. We're not even carrying like a fourth quarterback. I think into training camp. 
Um, we barely brought in any like workout players. We did, you know, it's those three guys. It's Portals, Henny, and Allen. You know what you have in Henny. You have a, you know, you have a guy who's going to go one to one in touchdowns and interceptions, mm-hmm. and you know, throw fifty percent completion. Um, and Brandon Allen is a sixth round kid from Arkansas. Right. Like that's that you have the three freaking stooges as the Jaguars quarterback, and it's. <laughs> It's like super frustrating that we didn't take, you know, a flyer on a guy in the in the second or third round. Um, I guess I logically understand why you did it, but um, yeah, Michael Lombardi brought this up on the Ringer um, that giving this much confidence to Blake Bortles is just a real it's a real bad way to treat the locker room. Right? You have guys going into their contract year, right? And they're like, oh, okay, we're gonna pick up Blake Bortles fifth year option. But you other, you quarterbacks, you wide receivers, you offensive linemen, y'all have to earn it. But Blake Bortles, who's literally worth probably a third of the backups in the league, um, you know, gets that vote of confidence. Right. I, I don't like it. And I'm frustrated. A lot of other Jaguars fans are frustrated. And, and the thing I think that is also kind of mind numbing a little bit is that they're not putting the, I mean, if you want to call it the coaching staff or whatever, but you, you've seen the way that they've allowed Bortles to fall from grace. Who's to say that Allen is even getting, you know, that attention that he needs to to uh, improve himself or develop himself? It, exactly, he's not, and it's and it's it's so frustrating that when you're, you know, with four games to go, you're two and what two and ten, right? Um, but why why aren't you putting Brandon Allen in there? Yeah, you know, why are you still putting Paul Pozlesny at middle linebacker instead of Miles Jack? Yeah, um, why isn't Corey Grant? starting instead of TJ, you know, TJ Yeldon, you know what you have in TJ Yeldon, you know, what you have an ivory. Why, why are we still trying to win games at two and 10? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was super frustrating, especially the quarterback position. Like why are the last four regular season games, just preseason games to look at what you have for next year. And it's because coaches and GMs are snakes and they're, you know, they're trying to get as many wins as possible to land that job next year. But as a fan, I- I'm frustrated. Yeah, and you should be. Let's talk about that for a second. The the move of pause, you know, away from middle linebacker and allowing Miles Jack to take that. You are you in favor of that? I would assume then. Uh, no, because he should be on the sidelines. Pa- um, pause Lesney. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Pause Lesney is. I don't think he has it anymore. Hmm. Um, he's. But isn't it worth at least is, trying to begin in the beginning of the year? Because I mean, you have to. Sure, I mean put. But put a, he, here's the thing: he's going to be put at Sam linebacker. He's going to be put at a 20 snap a game position, um, and it's frustrating that you know we we've built this team. We still don't have a guy who can get Paws off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're taking Paws away. Honestly, Paws' strength is on the inside. Like I think the best thing he brings to the team that Miles Jack fails at is stopping the inside run. Mm-hmm. So you're going to put him at Sam linebacker. Um, you know, you're going to put him out in space. That's where Paws struggles. Um, I do like the move of Miles Jackson, middle linebacker. Um, I think that's the future. When you get a top five guy, you need to put him in as soon as possible. I'm just frustrated that we didn't spend the last four or five games of 2016 doing it. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and like you said, when you take the guy away from his strengths, that kind of just really makes not, not so much the move of Jack into that role, but that makes the move of Pozlesny out of that role kind of, you know, mind numbing just a little bit for sure. Right. And if you look, I mean, Paz looks, I think he's serviceable at middle linebacker. Yeah. 
at, you know, put him in space. I don't think he's going to be serviceable. Right. You're, you know, fans like Pozlosny because he's, you know, he's, he's in that 80s middle linebacker mold. But in terms of how he fits in today's game, like, no, I, I, I don't want him. <laughs> I don't want him starting. Right. And that makes sense. I mean, when you, when you look at all of it as a whole, it, it just, you know, it, it kind of screams out that it's something that Marone will only try. I mean, in my opinion, it would you would assume that Marone will try it, and if it doesn't work, there will be some reshuffling, I guess, to, to kind of put it mildly. Right, and that's why, I mean, we um, – I'm trying to think, no. I mean, because we drafted a guy, Blair Brown, but Dave Caldwell said he is, you know, he's a will linebacker, a middle linebacker. He's Telvin and, and Miles' backup. Like, I'm still trying to think of who – who, if pause fails, who do you go to? I don't think we have that guy on the roster. I think it's, you know, they, they want to kind of frame it as, um, they want to kind of frame it as this is what we're, we're going to try to do. But then when you look at the depth chart, you're like, well, what if that doesn't work? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you've got, you've got some options there. You've got a lot of talent on that defense, especially in the front seven now. And well, not even just especially, but you've got a nice secondary as well. Uh, so, I mean, I think defense is going to be the, the least of the problems, though. You know, that that's something right. that I think that the, the Jaguars can can risk a couple games trying to figure out what's going to go, what, you know, how the chemistry is going to work out there, uh, as opposed to I agree. The I agree. offense better get their crap together right away. So, uh, yeah. I mean, let, yeah, exactly. and let's talk about that. I mean, right, the, the first pick, Leonard Fournette, what were you, I mean, were you in favor of that pick? No, no. You don't pick running backs in the top five. Yeah. Um, you can find serviceable running backs in the mid round, and it was a deep running back class. Right. Um, I don't. Do I think Leonard Fournette's a bad player? No, I think he's he's a great player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he. I I liked Dalvin more. Um, I thought he was a little bit more balanced, um, and I thought he was better for where the Jaguars' offense is now. Gotcha. But Leonard Fournette's a great player. Like I'm glad he's on the team. I'm just not glad that we took him fourth overall now here's the funny thing though is we we found cam at the top of the second round so i'm kind of playing mind games with my this is what jaguars fans do they play mind games with themselves <laughs> to keep hope alive so like i just pretend that cam robinson was the, the fourth overall pick and leonard Fournette just you know fell to the second round right and that makes me feel really good about the draft yeah it should make you feel a little better i mean i think that Fournette adds to that i mean you know, Yeldon is a guy that when you guys drafted him, I just thought, I don't understand how he can be the guy that they wanted to take uh, as highly as they did when he was never that, uh, whatever you want to call it, the 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 main back in, he wasn't in the, Alabama. The bell, yeah, he wasn't the bell cow back. Right, but they wanted to he make him that the... in Jacksonville, and it just didn't add up to right. me. At least that they've got the idea of making a bell cow back, like you said, uh, the guy, I mean, Fournette's ultimately the guy. I mean, so that's, I mean, that's a positive notion in the way that they're wanting to run their offense. And like, I mean, he is that, he, I, I, he is that guy. But when you look at where LSU struggled, like it was when the quarterback couldn't do anything. Right. And when the offensive line could not create. And those are the two things that the Jaguars offense has been plagued by since Blake Bortles started taking snaps under center. Mm-hmm. Like Blake Bortles is not going to give defensive coordinators you know, any lost sleep at all. Um, and that offensive line is not going to create for him. That's another reason I thought Dalvin was, was going to be the better pick at number four. He wasn't going to be. Right. He was always going to be Fournette because Tom Coughlin has a type. We all have types. And Fournette is his type, mm-hmm. you know. So 
Um, that you know, I get it. Leonard Fournette is a bell cow back. I think behind a better offensive line, he could produce in the same tier as an Ezekiel Elliott. But that offensive line is not in Jacksonville. Right. And not only that, but when you, if you do have a better quarterback situation, you've got three backs that are more than serviceable back there to work uh, in some sort of uh, uh, a mix and match of, you know, I mean, uh, running back by committee almost, but you've got the, the main guy in Fournette. When you've got Yeldon who can do some things, he is a guy who can play well, and that's basically his role as a backup anyways, in my opinion. And then if you have a better quarterback, mm-hmm. that obviously gives that backfield a little more legitimacy. But you did, you got, like you said, you guys did land Cam Robinson in the second round. Uh, your thoughts mm-hmm. on that were obviously positive, correct? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, the, the thing I'm most excited about, I mean, Cam Robinson's a great lineman. Um, and he'll be great for a decade. The thing I'm most excited about is we don't have to go into an offseason thinking who's going to be our left tackle. Right. Like ever since 2013, it's been like, who's our left tackle? Who's our left tackle? Um, because before we got Jokel, it was like, are we going to go that way? And then with Jokel, it was like, can he be that? Cam Robinson, it's like, he is that. He's strong. I mean, he's, he's, he's a good dude. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, he's got his downsides too, but that's, like you said, that's, uh, that's holding down a position that hasn't been held down there in a while. So, uh, right. he, and he's going to get better for sure. So, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. One of the picks that I was very curious about, I overall, for the most part, I liked the Jaguars draft, but I didn't understand the two picks in Dwayne Smoot and D.D. Westbrook. Um, I get, so I kind of get it because um, Dante Fowler is not a good NFL player. Mm-hmm. And I think that they saw something in Dwayne Smoot that they saw in Yannick Ngakwe last year. Oh, gotcha. And they're just, they're just, they're just hoping that, that Dwayne can take over that uh, edge, you know, edge rush position opposite. Yannick, um, or at least spell Dante to where Dante can somehow, you know, Dante Fowler turned into a decent run-stopping defensive end. Um, I don't know how that happened, uh, <laughs> but somehow he became that. So maybe Dwayne Smoot is the, the third-down pass-rushing specialist and Dante plays first and second down. If that's what comes out of a third-round pick, that's awesome. Right. And D.D. Westbrook, I mean, yeah, I mean, D.D. Westbrook is, like, not a good human being. Um and, you know, it, it, he was a fringe, he was a bubble first, second rounder, I think, without those off the field issues. Right. But Tom Coughlin, Tom Coughlin has a history of taking chances on those types of guys. Like, it was rumored that during his first stint with the Jaguars, he was thinking about Lawrence Phillips, mm-hmm. I think, in the 96 draft. And he took RJ Soward, you know, seven years later, eight years later, however long it was, um, in the first round. Um, you know, he brought on Jimmy Smith as, as a, as a free agent from the Dallas Cowboys who had a checkered path. And, um, he has a, you know, Tom Coughlin, I think is, is fine as long as, as long as the, the fit is there. Um, and Diddy Westbrook, honestly, this wide receiving core is good. It's not great. And we're going to lose one of those three guys Her- next offseason. Hearns. Well, that's what everyone says, but I'm like, why would Hearns go? Like, Hearns just signed a, an extension. Mm-hmm. Um, I like gonna, him. I, I really be, like him. I just, I just can see that happening because of his injury history. I just, yeah, I, I guess so. But when you look at the three of them, like, I just think you can replace what Marquise Lee does more easily than Alan Hearns or Alan Robinson. And I think that's what they're trying to do with Didi. I think they're trying to say, all right, 
Didi is our slot guy. Marquise is like a hybrid. You know, I think Marquise is going to play a lot of outside this year because hmm. um, that's what he was supposed to do. Right. Like before Alan Hearns just decided to play like a like a first or second rounder himself. <laughs> um, so, but I, but I just think, yeah, I just think that that Marquise. The only reason Marquise shined so brightly last year is because Alan Hearns and Alan Robinson just played like crap. Yeah. And I think this year they're going to, you know, normalize. Um, and you're going to see Marquise Lee just, you know, kind of fade into the background. And I think he's the one that goes. Yeah. Well, it's possible. He's just outplayed Hearns, you know, in the better par- portion of the last half of the season. He, he was our best offensive skill player yeah. for like most of the season, which is like the most damning critique you could have of any NFL team. Marquise Lee is your best skill position player. Yeah. Um, but he was. He was. He was the only one <laughs> catching anything thrown to him. Um, you know, he was the only one making guys miss. He was, you know, he was, he was, God, he's so fast too, man. Like, which is something that like Alan Hearns and Alec Robinson are fast, but Marquise Lee just like has another level to him. And like that, I think is the one thing you can't replace. But when you look at the wide receivers as a whole, who would you rather have as like the whole package? A-Rob, Alan Hearns or, or Marquise Lee. And I think Marquise Lee is the, the odd man out. Yeah. That's quite possible. You know them better than I do. I just assumed as soon as I saw the Westbrook pick, I thought Hearns could be on his way out. It just kind of depends. But you know, maybe. I mean, they, if if Hearns, because they're going to put Hearns at, at slot quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and if Hearns is not able to to play that well, I mean, maybe you can start having that conversation. But I mean, the mood around Jacksonville is like A. Rob and Hearns are the guys, and and Marquise is is the one having to kind of prove himself so we'll see yeah it'll be interesting to watch as the season starts and, and gets kind of moving forward see how where everybody kind of finds their niche within that offense again uh Blair Brown out of Ohio a lot of guys and including myself were really high on him he's a guy that I think that you guys should all be excited about even though you like you said he's going to be back and backing up one of those guys uh immediately and probably won't see a ton of snaps in his rookie year but that's a guy that's going to grow with this team really nicely and is going to complement a lot of these free agent moves in that he could be a guy who grows into a starter. Uh, and, and you know, him and Jack there in the middle, that could be a very nice middle linebacking crew for sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think more than middle linebacker, I think Blair was brought in as, as Telvin insurance. Because I think Telvin Smith is, I mean, he was better last year, but he's not as good, I think, as, as people make him out to be. Um, he's certainly good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's certainly good. But if he has a down year, I think you could see Blair Brown come out. And I mean, Blair Brown, when you look at his like measurables, I mean, he's just like a freak athlete. Yeah. Like he's just, he's just like off the charts with some of this stuff. And so, you know, I, and I didn't know that. I mean, who knew Blair Brown coming out of, what was it, Ohio? Um, mm-hmm. I'm not like a draft Twitter guy at all. So when they were like, Blair Brown, I was like, okay. Like, you know, Google. Awesome. And I would have said the, I would have said the same thing about Telvin if he didn't go to FSU. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, like if, if, I mean, if Blair can play the way that his body is built and his athleticism has shown in measurables and, you know, pro days and all, all that sort of stuff, then, then I'll be really excited to see him. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that he, he's not a big dude. I mean, he's not even, I don't think he's no. quite six foot. Um, no, he's he's like five ten, five eleven. Yeah, I think he's going to be. I just think he's going to be a good football player all the way around. Um, he, you know, you can't force a guy to gr- to gr- grow in height, 
But I think that he's going to be a guy that they can move in and out and could be a starter one day and could be one of those guys that kind of outperforms even what, like you said, draft Twitter even had for him because a lot of people were getting real high on him come the draft. And, and I think that he's going to be a guy who's going to impress a lot of people. I think people will forget about him over the course of the next 12 months until he gets a lot of starter reps. And then I think people will remember, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Well, and, and not to make this too much about uh, – this is not a Blair Brown podcast, right. uh, <laughs> listeners, we promise. Um, but Tom Coughlin really – like, he loves building special teams, mm-hmm. uh, more so than, than we saw Dave Caldwell do over the last few years. Um, and special teams has, has been awful for the Jaguars. Like, special teams has been awful. So when Tom Coughlin sees a guy who – he can say, you know what, I'm, he can plug into special teams from day one and he can compete at multiple positions. Like that's who Tom Coughlin just gets from the fourth round on. Yeah. And that's what makes, I mean, it makes sense if, if you've got that need on your, on your team, you know, special teams are, are a lot more important, I think, than people understand. But until you're in a yeah. position where, you know, the you're in the position now where you've gotten a large part of your defense uh, in free agency, and you've got the offense that still needs remade, but you've also got that third aspect of the game, and and special teams are as important as anything, especially when you start giving up touchdowns and or fumbles or poor coverage or just whatever that can really make yep. a difference in a lot of games. So well, uh, we I mean we lost. Uh, we, there are several games last year, like at least two. I'm thinking like the Buffalo game, and then um, well, forget the other game, but like. We had just had muff punts, and part part of that's Rashad Green's fault. But another part is there's just not if if he's got an extra second, he that that punt might not be muffed, or he's able to recover. But instead, the you know the Bills recover, and so that's yeah, true. like I think I think you're right. Special teams is more important than a lot of people let on. Yeah, absolutely. Your two seventh round picks were Jalen Myrick and Marquez Williams, the fullback out of Miami. Um, did you see that coming? Um, I thought we, I thought we would take a cornerback, um, higher, honestly, but corner was another deep position in this draft. So, um, I think what you find in the seventh round, you might have found in the fifth or sixth last year. Um, and, and Jalen Myrick, he's just, he's a fast dude. I don't believe in Aaron Colvin, um, being a long-term, uh, fixture on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jalen Myrick is inevitably, you know, trying to be groomed. Um, to see, like, can he, you know, can, can he play, can he play backup? Um, can he be, cause, cause we, that's who we had uh, at corner was, uh, Jalen and AJ, who's, you know, that's the best one, two that you can find in the league. Right. But then after that, it's like a cliff. You've got Aaron Colvin, and then I could make up some names and you wouldn't know <laughs> if they were on the Jaguars roster or not. So, I mean, Jalen Myrick, he's, he's fast. Um, he was, um, he was athletic in, at Minnesota, like, he went to Minnesota, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, he was, he, I think he was a good all around guy. I think, um, I think he'll take that fourth corner spot this year. And, um, he's another special teams guy. I think, I think Tom Coughlin saw more of a special teams player than he saw. Oh, he can be our, our dime back or something like that. And then Marquez Williams, like, I am super pumped to have a fullback again. But <laughs> when you look at, when you look at, and Tom Coughlin is too. I mean, like that was one of the first signings, uh, you know, uh, in free agency. Like, you know, we went to go get Tommy Bohannon, who was uh, played with Marone in the, you know, in Buffalo, and mm-hmm. and now we drafted a guy in the seventh round. And I, when you look around the NFL, though, and you look at 
how often are some of these teams employing a fullback? It's like even the the teams at the very top are doing it like one third of the you know of their offensive plays, if that right. you know anywhere between twenty five to thirty percent. Um, the so difference is, is fullback the, important. The difference is that some people are doing it with. Uh, tight ends and others are doing it with true fullbacks and it just kind of depends on you know offensive scheme and how they plan to utilize those guys for the most part right 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 yeah when I was saying the 25 30 percent like I put up an article on Big Tech Country about a week ago where I looked at um where I looked at how often teams were employing formations that used a fullback type player so Mm -hmm. whether that's a third tight end kind of coming in motion or a true fullback or or what have you it's only being done like 25 to 30% of the time. So it's like, is a fullback important? Sure. Like a fullback is important, but like, and especially with a Fournette, like Fournette, unfortunately, I think kind of needs that. I wish we had a running back that could run out of a single back set or do some shotgun stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's Fournette's, um, you know, I don't think that's, that's really his style right now. If he can learn to be that, that's awesome. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I mean, Marquez Williams is like a big, physical like dude who actually catches the ball well uh, out of the backfield so you know he's he's uh he, he's what you want in a fullback he'll he'll make the roster i think because when you invest draft capital in a guy uh, he's going to make it over some you know random free agent signing so um i'm excited to have him yeah is there any uh undrafted free agent guys that you think maybe can can find a spot on this offensive line or anything like that to help out the offense yeah, I mean, th- we, we signed quite a few, uh, offensive linemen, um, in, in undrafted free agency. We got, uh, we got one guy named Parker Collins. He's a, he's an interior guy. I think he's a center out of Appalachia State. Um, let's see, Avery Genesee. I forget where he's from, but he was a guard. Um, I think, I think he can certainly make it. Uh, there's a guy who played with Dwayne Smook. Um, his name's Philip Carroll. He's like a linebacker defensive end hybrid that I think. Oh, Carol Phillips. I think he has a chance. Oh, Carol. Yeah, I'm sorry, not Philip Carroll. Yep. Carol Phillips. Um, yeah, that's a sorry, that's a nice a that's a right nice now. pick though. That's a nice grab though. I it think. was and 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 Mel Kiper. I mean, I looked it up. Mel Kiper like had him in like the sixth round, I think. So, you know, he's a he's 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 a good player, um, and I, I think I think he stands a chance to make it. And then there's um, a wide receiver out of Syracuse. Uh, Amba at a uh, Tawa Tawu Amba at a Tawa Wu. Yeah, anyway, he played at Syracuse. <laughs> that's a mouthful. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Amba. <laughs> uh, well, that's what we'll call him. Amba. And uh, he played. So Keenan McCardell, our old receiver, he coached up in Syracuse. And uh, um, you know, Amba played under him, and um, you know, I think I think he has the best chance to make it if we keep six receivers on the roster. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm excited to. I'm excited to see some of these undrafted guys. Yeah. It'll be fun. Me too. I, I mean, a couple of the guys that I thought may have had a, a chance to actually move on into training camp with the team got cut today. I was kind of surprised about a couple of them, but, you know, that happens. I mean, it just happens. So, yeah. Uh, so, who was your favorite uh, offseason free agent guy? Um, I think Bouye. Yeah. Um, because my favorite player, my favorite player on the Jaguars is Jalen Ramsey. Um, I think Jalen Ramsey plays the most like I mean you just saw it last year the guy was just so angry he's like a he's like Deion Sanders light Mm -hmm. you know um he really is except he can well except he can tackle he doesn't (laughs) catch the ball like Deion does but he can tackle better than Deion um 
But uh, Jalen was like hype about getting AJ opposite him. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, whatever you do as a team that makes Jalen Ramsey happy is the best thing you can do for your team. Right. So, you know, which is why I was like, I want Deshaun Watson because coming up to the draft, you, you look at Jalen Ramsey's like Twitter feed and, and every single story that came out where they were talking about like Blake Bortles is not, you know, Blake Bortles might, uh, you know, have to compete in camp with a veteran quarterback or, they're thinking about Deshaun Watson in the first round. Like Jalen Ramsey was like favoriting those tweets like over and over and over. And so I was like, I was like, Hey, Jalen Ramsey for Jaguars GM, like just do what Jalen wants and we'll have a good team. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell so you what, I, I was, I, that Bouye was a I, massive pickup too. Yeah, it, it was. And, and I thought, you know, I, I think it, it, I think it was between us and the Titans to get him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, God, God, how, how just depressing that would have been if Bouye, who's the marquee guy we've been talking about going after since the season ended, if he goes to the Titans. And luckily, you know, um, Caldwell was was able to uh, to to snatch him up. Yeah, um, he did think, something. I, I, yeah, well, and, and that's the funny thing is like everyone was asking like Tom Coughlin, like you know, what did you do to to kind of help land Bouye and stuff like that? And they were and. Tom Coughlin just said, Dave Caldwell handled that. I didn't talk to Bouye. You know, I didn't, I didn't go and get him. Like that was, um, Gene Isaac and, and Dave Caldwell. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, props to them. I, I don't know what they did except just, just keep offering him more money. Yeah. You know, it like, was interesting guess, too. So, uh, what else do you do? Everybody in the AFC South ultimately wanted him. Every, all four teams wanted to yeah. sign him this offseason. And I remember the, right before the, the Jack, yeah, the, the Colt, well, Rumors were the Colts were in on it. I don't know how how heavy they were. I wish they were heavier because that was obviously yeah. somebody that Colts Twitter was really wanting to to sign this off season. I was too. I was all in favor of that. But there was a lot of and, and right even before the Jaguars actually uh, signed him, I think maybe twenty four forty eight hours before that, there were stories coming out that the Titans thought for sure that they had landed Bouye. They thought that they had him. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. it was really interesting how that went down. And man. That is, and and not only that, but if you look at the safeties, like you got Church now and Gibson, is that a safety duo back there that can, uh, you know, complement those two on the edge on the outside? I mean, in the secondary. Yeah, I mean, I I think, um, I think Gibson and Church are, they're obviously penciled in as as the starters. I mean, they're they're going to play twenty seventeen as the starters. I don't know how much longer they are for the. Um, Jaguar secondary, but this year I think that they're good enough to, you know, I mean, and how good do you really have to be to be good enough with Bouye and Ramsey in front of you? But like Gibson and, and Church, I think are good enough to, be, you know, complement those two at, at corner. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting. It'll be a, I mean, for you guys, that'll be a fun, you know, defense to watch a real fun secondary, a fun front, a uh, fun front seven, man, I'm a lot of tongue twisters tonight, but you know, the Colts are in uh, a situation where you guys bolstered your defense quite a bit. Titans, they bolstered theirs quite a bit. The Texans already had a really good defense. And so did you guys for the most part, but this is a, the year, uh, a year for the Colts where it's um, a really uh, strange situation going into this with three teams now 
in the division that on paper anyways, and at this moment in time have really strong defenses that the Colts offense, which is highly ranked as well, is going to have to just explode to, to beat these guys. Uh, the division games are no longer pushovers. Yeah. I mean, is the, and I don't mean to, to upset you or the listeners, but is the Colts offense really highly rated? I mean, I know Andrew Luck is, I mean, I'd put him at like they, just outside of the top 10, you know, maybe at the very bottom of that. But like, other than Andrew Luck, like, I mean, who, who's there? Well, they got, I mean, no, they got T.Y. He didn't do much, but well, lead right. the league in <laughs> receiving yards last year. Uh, I ultimately, I think that You've got a stable back in Gore. You've got some youth now behind him. You've got an offensive line that actually created more yards for Gore than Gore created himself. You've got a defense that's getting built the right way, not there yet. But as far as the offense goes, I mean, you've got some, you know, Moncrief's been hampered by injuries. Uh, a lot of that stuff has has come in waves or at different times to where it seems like they never really have their whole crew. But they were eighth in, in points last year. Uh, points scored per game I mean they were man I know that they were in the top 10 in a handful of other categories as well and they were really good on third down they were phenomenal inside the red zone I mean they had I, luck didn't throw a single pick in the red zone uh, at all and it was a lot of their production in fact came inside the 25 yard line I do know that it's the that's why the running back was so necessary this offseason in some way shape or form to find a youthful running back with some skills and some open field uh, ability to to break them because a lot of their offense in between the 20s was not any, you know, a lot of it wasn't big playability outside of T.Y. Hilton for the most part. But, I mean, like, I'm, my question is more, do you think that's sustainable going into this year? Because, I mean, I, I, I love Frank Gore. Frank Gore won me. Uh, multiple fantasy games uh, <laughs> last year. Like, I think I got him in, like, the 13th or 14th round. And, uh, you know, the guy would just score a random touchdown here or there, win the game by four. Like, I love Frank Gore. Um, Andrew Luck's a great quarterback. Um, you know, obviously Hilton is one of the best receivers in the uh, in the division, in the league. But that offensive line, like, I mean, I understand about creating yards for Gore, but they also allowed – what, five or six sacks to a very, very poor Jaguars defensive line last year in London. Um, you know, I, I just and, – and and who is there other than Hilton at, at receiver? So, I mean, that that's more the question. It's like 2016, I get that, but the production was there. But 2017, do you think that that is – there and see that's that's the that's the major question with the Colts offense going forward the the abilities there for sure Dorsett has a ton of ability he just hasn't put it on the field yet with any kind of consistency uh Moncrief's been injured way too much and you know they've kind of shifted his roles he was a guy that was running a lot of deep ends and uh deep sideline routes uh in the past couple years and then last year he was almost every single one of his touchdowns came within the 25 yard line last year he was almost relegated mm-hmm. to a strictly a red zone threat last year. Um, you know, the, the loss of Dwayne Allen, is that an issue or not? I don't really know. I think that that could have some effects not having two really locked down tight ends in there. But you've got Doyle who can be multi, uh, multiple as far as what he gives the team. Um, you know, I really like Chester Rogers, another up-and-coming wide receiver. As far as everything else goes, I think that, you know, Kamar Aiken oh, okay. coming in there now, he adds – 
you know, quite a bit to that offense, I think, to be quite honest with you. I mean, at least the potential's there. As far as saying is it sustainable, that's really hard to figure out, to be honest with you, because there are so many aspects that have to come together for it to really, you know, get to its uh, its ceiling and its potential as an offense. But I think the, the offense will be a top 15 offense no matter what, as far as I'm concerned, because of Andrew Luck and because of the, the some of the playmaking ability that some of those guys have. Um, I'm, I'm really actually, I know, I understand that the offensive line kind of ate crow last year, but I'm really high on them coming into this year. I really am because I just thought okay. that they're, they're just young and they need some time to develop. If they don't develop, then, you know, then you need to start adding more and more pieces. But I think Chris Ballard said it really well that, you know, you got to give Grigson some credit for, for putting, uh, four of those linemen, uh, together out of last year's draft because, you know, Hague got a ton of starts as a rookie good played in his uh, rookie year towards the end of the season, but started almost every game last year. The uh, Raven Clark was a guy who was awful dude in camp. Terrible, awful in camp, awful in preseason and came in our uh, last three or four games of the season last year and really did a phenomenal job at right tackle. So the, the big issue right now is finding a backup for uh, uh, Costanzo and to uh, keep Muhort healthy and, you know, just kind of continue to build that offensive line with uh, with backup competition. And then, you know, if you find a starter in the draft or you find a starter in free agency that's young enough to sustain his uh, health and stuff like that, then you pull on it. So I, I'm really high on those guys this year. I'm probably higher than I should be, but um, I, I'm really looking forward to see I, what that offensive line can do. And honestly, I'm probably lower on the – on the Jag- I've been pretty pessimistic this podcast. I am probably lower on the Jaguars than, than I should be, because um, I love them. Um, but, <laughs> it's, you easy. Know, it's easy to it's do, just, man. It's that, easy to do. I know, dude. It's easy to do. And, you, I mean, you've had down years, but at least you've had a good quarterback. Like, a good quarterback just stabilizes. Like, a good quarterback covers a multitude of sin. Like, it's just, it's, and we haven't had it in years. Right. Years, since David Garrard. You know, they haven't had it in 10 years. So I think that might be why I'm a little more pessimistic is because I know everything runs through the quarterback. And that might be why you're a little more optimistic is because you know that everything runs through the quarterback. So, right. And it's possible because I mean, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I give my two cents on luck plenty as, as far as, you know, what I feel like that he does sometimes that, that kind of is not helping the offense, you know, and, and stuff like that. But I mean, all in all, it's probably a little more easy, like you said, a little easier to be optimistic when you know that you've got at least a quarterback who can be a top five quarterback in this league, can get you as far as a Super Bowl, pending on the rest of you know the the pieces coming into place. And he has to have a really good season, you know. There's no doubt about it. But you know that the potential's yeah. there for him to to do that without question. And I think that's that's an obvious thing. You know, I can't if right now if we were flip flopping teams and the Jags were in Indianapolis and the Colts were in Jacksonville, as far as my outlook of it, I would be probably just as excited uh, because of the defense and stuff like that. But ultimately, this league is all about offense and can you score? And, right. you know, three don't cut it anymore. You got to get six. You got to right. get into the end zone. And so – there's there's a real I wish that we had your defense. I'll definitely tell you that. I wish that our defense was as sound uh and and, and coming together like the Jacksonville Jaguars is, is currently. But 
you know, it, it's hard to say, yeah, I'll give away our offense because our offense has a ton of ability as well. It's just, it's just, they're just, as you know, and this isn't just the Colts or the Jaguars. This is every team in the league. Everything has to come together to have such a uh, successful season because a lot of these teams, a lot of these divisions, their, their, uh, uh, competition is really tightening up, you know, over the past couple of years. Right. Well, and, and speaking of division, I was looking at the over-unders because I'm a, I'm a degenerate. I, I gamble every now and then. I was looking at the over-unders for the win totals, and I saw um, Colts at, at 8.5, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the most – oh, no, no, no. They had uh, – I think it was nine. I think they had nine or 9.5, and then the, the Texans and Titans had eight or 8.5, and then the Jaguars had six or something like that. So 9.5, are you over or under on that for the Colts? Um, hmm. I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go under because I think it's a nine-win season right now. Okay. Do you uh, think? Do you think nine and seven wins the AFC South? No, no, I don't. No. You think the AFC South is going to churn out a ten and sixteen? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's the Texans, right? I don't know who it's going to be. I really don't. I think that it. Could, I mean, it. I'm guessing. I mean, I think that there. I think. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, it I could think, be either I think the one. Titans, I mean, I think the Titans have are building the best team in the division. I love Marcus Mariota. Um, I love that offensive line. That offensive line is so good. Yeah. Um, that defense is is young. They're they're going to be good in a year or two. Mm-hmm. That running game is like beautiful. Um, it's a Mike Malarkey, you know, two tight end, two running back, one wide receiver uh, offense. Yeah. And I I just that offense is gonna it's gonna suck. It's going to suck to play against. Yeah. Um, so if I think you're right, I think I really think the AFC South is a three horse race at this at this point. Yeah. Until um, you guys do something about that quarterback, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Um, well, and here's the thing: is I, I don't think we will. I think I think we've sent a clear message to Blake um, picking up his fifth year option. Um, I don't I don't think we draft a guy next year because I think Blake. We'll probably we'll play marginally better next year. I think we go five and eleven. Um, I but I, I think I think he gets extended next year, and I think it's just three or four more years of this. Man, that's just brutal. That's brutal to the fan base. That's brutal. Like you yeah. said earlier, that's brutal to the locker room, man. I mean, that's yeah, how, that's how mean, you ultimately it, you do all this work in free agency, all this work in the draft. That's how you get Cleveland Brown esque losing people in free agency every single year after that by being stupid about your quarterback. And and if if you haven't heard Michael Lombardi's rant, I I implore you to Google it after uh, after this. It's a, it's he was on uh, with Rich Eisen, so it might it might not have been the ringer, but Michael Lombardi was talking to Rich Eisen just about this, and he hit the nail on the head with. So many points, you know, like the guys in that locker room, this is something Lombardi said I thought was really poignant. The guys in that locker room are not reading the sports page. They're reading the finance, uh, finance page. <laughs> like they know how much every single other guy in that room is making. Right. And they're, you know, they're like, you think those guys are happy that Blake Worrells walks in the room and that's a $19 million man? Like, no, like they are not happy about that. No. And, and they're frustrated and, and that's how you lose guys like Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what I'm saying. You've got some top end talent in here uh, that you've been able to uh, assist it with some good free agency, and you're going to lose some of your draft picks if you don't make a, a smart business decision for the roster for sure. 
Um, I don't All think right. that there's any question about that. So who was your favorite draft pick then? Um, favorite, probably, probably for the value, um, it'd be Cam Robinson or D.D. Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think, I think those two, when you look strictly at on the field and I mean, sure, you, you can, you can look at football players however you want. I'm not going to fault you if you're like D.D. Westbrook shouldn't be in the league or Joe Nixon shouldn't be in the league or right. whatever, you know, I, I don't, I don't fault you for that opinion. But when you look at the value of getting a guy like Westbrook in the fourth round, when you look at the value of getting a guy like Cam, uh, in the second round, I think, I think those two are, you know, uh, they should have been drafted higher and they weren't and we got them. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd say those two were, were it. I would have to agree. I think I, I was, not, I mean, I liked Cam Robinson, not as much as I liked a couple of the other guys, but man, I mean, you, you got yourself an offensive lineman, a left tackle. Uh, I don't know what else you could want. Like you said, that's been a clear need for so long. So, uh, mm-hmm. Ryan, thanks for joining me tonight, man. I had a good time chatting it up with you again. Uh, never, never ceases to have to, to be uh, a, a good time. That's for sure. So uh, tell everybody yeah. where they can get you on Twitter and uh, where they can catch your work. Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan eats cake, love cake. And I eat it <laughs> at Ryan eats cake. Um, and you can find me on bigcatcountry.com. Uh, I'm one of the managing editors alongside uh, Alfie Crow. You can find Alfie at Alfie BCC. Follow, follow both of us. And, uh, Fill our mentions with, with Jaguar Tate. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> it was good talking to you, man. It's a good time. Uh, good luck to you this year, and uh, not really, though. <laughs> <laughs> you too. Let, let's, do th- let's do this uh, in training camp for the preseason, and let's, uh, let's share a few bourbons. Oh, we will. We will do that. We'll have us a bar night here on the podcast, and we'll do that for sure. Very good. Absolutely. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Ryan, again, thank you for joining us. And make sure you guys are going out to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and giving it a rating and review. You guys have been fantastic uh, so far. We're going to come back with the Texans tomorrow and uh, round out this around the AFC South here that we've been kind of doing to get uh, perspective on on what's going on in the offseason and what the Colts can look forward to this this upcoming season. So uh, thank you guys all for listening, and we'll check you all out tomorrow right here on Locked on Colts. You are Locked on Colts, your daily podcast on the Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.